We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome into another edition of the Bear Report podcast presented by Overtime Media. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach Pierce, and I'm joined, as always, by site expert and co-host Aaron Lemming. Aaron, how are you doing? Doing all right, man. We're getting about halfway through the week now as we're recording this on a Wednesday, so not not too bad at all. Are you feeling any better uh, now that the Eagles are eliminated from the playoffs after the loss to the uh, New Orleans Saints? Absolutely, man. I, 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 it's one of those things. Is like I was watching the game, and I'm not gonna lie. I was the entire time, I just had this anxiety. I had this anxiety all weekend. I think it was because I felt like the Bears. Well, I absolutely felt like the Bears should have been in it. Uh, but watching that game on Sunday, and you know, watching the Eagles lose, and the way that they lost with it going off Alshon Jeffrey's hands, and everything else that happened, it was kind of one of those moments. Like you know, you know, it, for one, I think obviously it was it was nice to see the Eagles lose because I didn't think they belong there. But also, it was one of those situations where the Eagles led for three quarters of that game against New Orleans, who I thought was easily the top team in the entire NFL going into that game. So. I guess it kind of goes to show, you know, there's always a what could have been factor. But at the same time, I really do believe that the Bears are damn close to be on the challenge for a Super Bowl even next year. Yeah, after watching that Eagles loss, I felt a little better. Last week, you know, we both kind of talked on the podcast where, like, it was kind of that hangover when the Bears, 
you know, did lose the Eagles. It was just kind of like, man, this this sucks now. Like, I didn't expect the season to end, but now that the Eagles are out and it's, it's pretty much the top four offenses in the NFL, it's what everyone projected, one against two in both um, conferences. I'm feeling a little better because I, you know, I I tend to look back and I think, okay, the Bears finished 12 and four. I had them at eight and eight, nine and seven. I know a lot of people had them maybe at 10 and six and maybe winning the division, but I think overall the general thought was the Bears kind of overachieved this year, and I think that's a great sign moving into this, what should be a, a fun offseason. Um, I'm with you. I think the Bears are in prime position to to make a run next year and, and to be one of these teams that's playing on you know NFC Championship weekend. Yeah, I mean, they're, I just it feels like they're close. I mean, that's really the, the best way to describe my feelings. I mean, I, I won't lie. I mean, it's a part of me sitting there kind of wondering, honestly, you know, I, I, you watch these games this weekend, right? And I think obviously the Patriots still look damn dangerous. Kansas City look damn dangerous. Uh, I, I mean, my whole thing with the Rams, at least, is I'm watching that game against Dallas, and it's like there is absolutely zero way that the Rams were going to rush for 280, 290 yards against the Bears' defense. But I think that just kind of goes to show. I, I, I think that obviously there's everybody's going to have that concern about, you know, you go into an offseason, you come out of the offseason, they lost their defensive coordinator, they're going to lose damn near their entire defensive staff. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, they've got some free agents. We'll also get into that here in a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's a potential for some change, and I get that. But I also think that the Bears' overall core is more than good enough uh, to be back in it. And ultimately, I mean, I just there's just something that tells me, you know, watching this, I, I don't think that the Bears are going to have this giant drop-off. I mean, they still have the same core for the most part of players. They're still going to have, you know, pretty much the same core of coaches and especially when you look at the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's kind of going to be the big thing next year is year two and Andy Reid or Matt Nagy or, you know, whatever other coach Doug Peterson's offense is usually when things really ramp up. So I, I just I, I think that, you know, maybe even if the defense drops off a little bit, I think the offense is going to easily be able to pick up that slack and, and more. But. I mean, it's still way early, man. I mean, we're talking in, in the middle of January here, and I mean, we don't even get to see preseason football until August. But I, I just, I have a good feeling about the Bears moving forward, and especially after watching the, the playoffs this last week. I mean, there's nothing that changed that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think the team is moving in the right direction. The thing that sucks for me is, dude, there's only three NFL games left this season, including the Super Bowl, and it's like. All right, now we have to focus on all the offseason stuff. And don't get me wrong, I love the offseason stuff. I love doing the free agency, a little bit of the draft stuff, then the mini camp and training camp. But, man, a lot has happened over this past week. Um, the last time we actually were recording, uh, we, we didn't know Vic Fangio was leaving to um, go to Denver. We did not know who his replacement was be. We haven't heard from Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace, but uh, that's all changed. And on uh, this episode, number four of the new year, uh, we got a lot for you. We have talk on Chuck Pagano, Vic Fangio's new replacement, the defensive staff, and we're going to kind of break down um, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's interesting, to say the least, press conference from Monday. Uh, before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. 
We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. All right, and welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. Um, yeah, Aaron, a lot has happened over this past week, you know, since the last time we dropped our episode. Um, we didn't know about the Fangio, but now we actually have a hire. The Bears announced Friday night that um, Chuck Pagano is going to take over as a new defensive coordinator. He spent a year as a Ravens defensive coordinator way back in 2011, I believe, then took over the Colts job for some time um, where he was fired and just now he finds himself with the Bears. What were your initial thoughts on the hire and um, any anything different since the last time we talked on that? Oh, there's absolutely a lot different. I think when we, you know, when we we talked last week, I don't think either one of us had really done a ton of research. I mean, admittedly, I hadn't either. Uh, you know, you can kind of see names, and at that point, man, I, I I'll be honest, I didn't really want to think about football. I, I was so irritated with the way the Bears lost and everything, with the way everything had happened, and then Vic Fangio getting hired. It's just one of those. I didn't really want to think about it, but then I finally kind of started getting over that feeling, started doing some research. Uh, if for anybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm sure you kind of saw the, the buildup of when I started, you know, looking at the different defensive coordinators. And I'll be honest, I think Todd Bowles would have still been the best, uh, the best candidate overall. Um, obviously, he took the Tampa Bay job. But the more and more I started digging, it's like you look at you look at different guys here, uh, you know, and we talked about some of these. Obviously, Ed Donatel was somebody that that could have uh, stepped in and, you know, everything would have kind of stayed the same, whatever it may be. But there's kind of an unknown factor because he hasn't been a defensive coordinator in a while. They had a guy like Steve Wilkes, who's more of a four, three front guy, which isn't a big deal. But he's a lot more about a Tampa, too, in terms of coverage. And then you have a guy. Uh, well, I'm trying to think what Vance Joseph was another one that kind of. You know, you look at him and it's like, okay, he did some pretty good work as a, you know, as an assistant. Uh, but then you look at the one year that he was a defensive coordinator, and he really wasn't that good with Miami. And then he took the head coaching job, obviously flamed out pretty well there. So I think you, you started to kind of look. You know, a lot of people pointed out Rex Ryan, never, never a fan of that thought. But then all of a sudden, I start looking and I start really thinking, and it's like, you know, I, I kind of go back to a few conversations I've had with people uh, this off season. And one of the names that kept coming up, actually the last few off seasons, and one of the names that kept coming up as a defensive coordinator and a good defense of mine was Chuck Pagano. So I started doing a little bit of research. Uh, admittedly so, I didn't really know that much about him outside of the fact that he was a Colts head coach. He had cancer. He survived cancer, came back, uh, lost Bruce Arians, and things kind of went downhill for him. Um, but then he started looking, and he did some good work. He's been in the league for a long time. Uh, players love him. Uh, from 2008 to 2000, uh, yeah, 2008 to 2010, he was the Ravens' DB coach, and did a phenomenal job. I mean, he had a big hand in the development of uh, guys like Ladarius Webb. Uh, the other thing that I thought was very interesting is when he took over, when he took over in a defensive capacity, more the point. Uh, Ed Reed's interception totals uh, it was like triple or quadrupled. Uh, in that time that he was there, and then he took over in 2011, he took over as the defensive coordinator. And their numbers, I mean, the, the Ravens have always had a good defense, especially when you look back in the last 10 or 15 years because of the way they've drafted, because of how they've been built. Uh, but their defense took a big step up. And I started looking at some of the stuff that he was doing, and it's he's definitely more aggressive. And he's not more aggressive in the fact that he's going to blitz a ton because he still doesn't blitz a lot. But w the way that he brings those four rushers is not always the same. It's not you're going to have your two outside linebackers, you're going to have your two interior linemen. Sometimes you can have two interior linemen and a, and a linebacker and a corner uh, rushing. Or, you know, you could. It, there's always a different combination of four guys, and he likes to mix things up. And he plays a little bit more press man, which will be interesting to see how that's going to work with the Bears. 
But I think overall, I think you look at the higher and you look at the way everything's been trending. And I, I think in terms of all the, the candidates that they had, I think he definitely made the most sense. And the more and more I started researching, I actually think it's a very good hire for the Bears. I, I think maybe a little bit of a drop off in terms of proven, uh, you know, being being proven as a defensive coordinator. But I don't know if the Bears are going to miss much of a beat. And I also think that for as, as good as Vic Fangio was, some of the, the issues that I had with them was the lack of aggressiveness. Um, and also the fact that he seemed to really kind of let off, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter of a lot of games. And we've seen that it wasn't just this year. I mean, we've seen it uh, the last few years. And that's something that you're not going to see Chuck Pagano do. Yeah, I think once um, Todd Bowles made his decision that he's going to Tampa Bay, um, you know, you and I talked, and I and I want to say we both brought up Chuck Pagano on our list of the top um, candidates left last week. Um, I had Donatel. I thought Donatel should have got the job. They did interview him, but obviously it went to Pagano, and I'm fine with it. I think fans look at Pagano's time with the Colts and see how bad those defenses were and kind of tend to freak out a little bit um that that's not the case for me because I look at those defenses and you know I dare someone name three impact players those defensive defenses with the Colts had because you're not going to find them they had Robert Mathis and if you consider Darrell Freeman an impact player there it is there's two right there um his defense really just didn't have the talent in Indianapolis and during his time there I believe they only drafted a defensive player in the first round once in the five years so he really wasn't given much granted they were trying to rebuild the offense he did fall into Andrew Luck which a lot of coaches will take that's almost a generational talent right there with the number one pick but I think Pagano did a did a good job for you know what he had to deal with and, and during his time with the Ravens he did an excellent job in that one year as defensive coordinator so I don't think it'll be a huge drop off I think it's fair to say that there could be a little bit of a drop off from what Fangio gave you and also if you you have to look next year the Bears schedule they play three of those top four offenses that are still playing right now they'll play Kansas City New Orleans and the Rams next season that's that's not gonna be very easy so Pagano's gonna be tested and I wouldn't be shocked if one of those games was right away in weeks one two or three so he's gonna be tested a little early like you said he there's there's talent on this defense um when you give a coach like that talent it certainly helps but it's up to him to scheme and get the most out of him and I think that's what Fangio did so well in his time here um, you know, the verdict's still going to be out on Pagano. We're going to have to see what he does with this talent. Um, but, I mean, even if the Bears dropped, you know, this year they're number one overall in DVOA defense. If they dropped to number three, four, or five, that's really not that big of a drop-off. It's hard. It's going to be hard, in my eyes, to repeat what they did this year and get that production they did this year, especially with a couple players that are going to be key free agents. Everyone might not be back on this defense. You know, the injuries might happen. It might not get the same level of play. So... We'll have to hold off to see exactly how Pagano does, but I, I was a fan of the hire. Um, now the only thing is we have to wait till he fills out his coaching staff because this is it's very possible that only one coach from last year's unit could return to the Bears' defense defense this year, and that's Jay Rogers. Um, you already saw Ed Donatel is going to be the defensive coordinator in uh, Denver. Brennan Staley was let go and Glenn Pyers was also let go. So the only one right now is Rodgers and we're, as, as we wait for Pagano to kind of build a staff here. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it was, in some ways, it was kind of to be expected. I mean, we kind of talked about this last week. I mean, Ed Donatel, the only way I think he was going to stay was if the Bears offered him the D.C. job. And, I mean, 
it, it could have made some sense. I mean, I, I think he would have stayed just for the simple fact that he would have had, you know, autonomy over the defense and, you know, he'd have been making play calls and all that stuff. He's going to go to Denver and he's basically going to have no control. He's going to have the defensive coordinator uh, title, uh, but that's going to be about it. I, I won't lie. I'm a little surprised that, uh, that some of these other guys are gone. I mean, Roy Anderson kind of surprised me. He was assistant DB coach uh, last year. He's been with Pagano before, so that was a little bit of a surprise for me just in the fact that I thought, you know, with those ties that he'd stick around. Um, I won't lie. I'm not really sad to see Staley go. Brandon Staley, I don't think he really mattered that much. I mean, Vic Fangio oversaw most of the outside linebackers anyway. And to be completely honest, I mean, what development have we really seen from Leonard Floyd? I mean, it hasn't really been a big thing. Not to say he's a bad player, but I just I think when you take a guy number nine overall, you expect more than what you've got out of him. And, I mean, obviously he got Cole Mack, and he had nothing to do with that. So I think when you look at it, the two guys, at least the two main assistants that I was more worried about um, losing would have been Donatel, which obviously they did, and uh, Rodgers. And I think Rodgers is going to stick around, so that's going to be good. So now it's kind of one of those things, and this is kind of the nice thing about hiring a veteran like Chuck Pagano is he has multiple connections around the league, and you're going to be able to get some. You're going to be able to get some good candidates. I mean, right now, uh, I think there's been some names floated around. I think Rob Ryan's been one. Uh, could be an outside linebackers coach or, or um, some sort of you know assistant head coach. I, I don't really know. Um, and then obviously. I'm trying to think who else there's been. Uh, Ed Reed's been floated around as a defensive backs coach. Uh, I think John Pagano, who's done really good work uh, over you know a long period of time as well. Um, he's currently the outside linebackers coach in Houston. He's another name that's been floated around. And then I think the Bears have actually hired somebody, and I'm trying to look up his name right now uh, because I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, but he basically took, and I'll, I'll find it here in a minute, but he took the, the Kansas State – uh, defensive coordinator job and actually turned around and left that job to take the Bears job. Um, so I thought that was somewhat interesting. I think he's going to be a linebackers coach. Are you, uh, you're talking about uh, Ted Monachino? Monachino, exactly. Yeah. So I don't really know much about him. Um, he seems to be pretty well respected. But, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of good options out there for the Bears right now. And the thing that people have to understand is there's a lot of coaching staffs that haven't been filled out yet. So the Bears will have a good good pick of the litter there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be kind of expected because once Fangio was leaving, we found that out, you know, obviously Donatello was probably going to go right behind him. It, it didn't seem like the Bears were seriously considering handing over to Donatello. They did interview him, but in my eyes, they, they were they were going for someone established, as, as you know, such as Pagano or Bowles, um, maybe even Wilkes. Uh, they didn't even get to interview Wilkes, but yeah, it, it doesn't really shock me. It's going to be interesting to see because, Obviously, fans point, you know, they see the name Ed Reed and they their eyes pop out because of what he's done as a player um, in the NFL. Historic Hall of Fame career. Um, you, you have to be careful, though, because just because a player has been great in the NFL doesn't mean he's going to come right in and be a great coach. So we'll see if he's maybe an assistant to DB's coach or um, maybe just hel- helping out. Um, he is actually with Pagano right now. They are playing in that, um, that weird... Um, NFLPA College Bowl that's going on right now in California, and Pagano is one of the coaches. He's the coaches for the American team, and kind of funny enough, Mike Tice is the coach of the national team. 
So a little bit of a Bears connection there. But, um, yeah, we'll have to hear. We won't hear from Pagano until next week when he returns. Obviously, he's got this to do with the game being this weekend. So I'm, I'm just interested to see what he's going to have to say about this team um, coming into this job this year and how he feels like he can take it over. Because I don't, I, I don't see many changes. I think you're going to see a lot, of the, a lot of good scheming to get to free up uh, defensive linemen, something that Fangio is good at doing, or playing around with the secondary a little, little more. And I feel like Pagano is going to be just a little more aggressive. Maybe we'll see a couple more blitzes here and there than Fangio. Because, you, you know, you watch, and if you watch the Bears over the last couple of years, you know Fangio is not notorious for blitzing. Um, you know, going back to a game like the, the Patriots where maybe he should have blitzed a little more and steady let Tom Brady kind of pick them apart. I think that's one of the frustrations Bears fans are kind of happy they won't have to deal with. Not saying that they want to lose Fangio, but yeah, I think you'll see Pagano do a little, little, a couple things different. And I'm very interested to see how quick he can get things going here. And it'll, it'll be certainly be something to watch during mini camp and training camp. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, uh, I don't expect to see a giant drop off. And the one thing that you kind of touched on earlier was the fact that, I mean, the Bears were the number one rated defense in the league last year or this this year, you know. So, I mean, when you when you really go back and you look at uh, defenses from a year to year basis, there's usually going to be some sort of fluctuation. So let's just say the Bears drop from one to three or four, like you're saying, maybe even five. I mean, the difference between that is probably going to be about, you know, 15, 20, maybe 25 yards per game and probably less than two points per game. And that's kind of goes back to. My my thought process behind the Bears is, okay, maybe their defense drops off just a little bit, but also at the same time, I think you're going to see the offense take a big step forward next year. And I think that's going to kind of either equal things out or, you know, um, even even kind of tip the scales more in their directions. I mean, let's just, I mean, just look at the, the Rams, okay? Obviously, the Rams have a better offense than the Bears do. Don't get me wrong on that. And their offense was better last year than the Bears was this year. But when you look at... The way the Rams were built last year, they had a good defense and they had a good offense, right? And then this year you saw the defense really kind of fall off and their offense took a big step forward. I think it's it's reasonable to expect the Bears to maybe fall off a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit defensively, but also take a giant step forward on offense, maybe, you know, the top 10, whatever it is. But I guess my point here is just because the defense takes a little bit of a step back does not automatically mean that the Bears – are going to you know be in trouble or whatever it is their schedule is harder on paper but the same thing man that's just, but the the people when they looked at the schedule I remember when the schedule was released even though everybody knew who they're going to be playing as soon as the schedule was released I remember all these people saying oh this is a seven win team at best I don't see how they're going to you know win any more than seven games most most people in the national media had them projected right around six or seven wins and the Bears ended up with the easiest schedule in the league this year uh, you know uh, by strength of schedule so I just think in terms of when you're looking at everything as a whole, I think you just got to let things play out. Like you pointed out, they got some free agents. They got some decisions to make. They got some draft picks to make. They got some assistant coaches to hire. Like It's just one of those situations where even when we see all this unfold, we're really not going to know much until we get into the next regular season. But I'm pretty optimistic that there's not going to be a giant drop-off. Yeah, there's a lot. There's I mean, there's so much still left between now and the regular season. We look at the Bears' schedule next year, and they have – a first-place schedule, and I mentioned those three teams, the top three offenses in the NFL, a lot can happen. Injuries can happen. Um, a lot of stuff, trades, free agency, anything can really happen. So, I I, I mean, I wouldn't worry too much um, right now until we actually get into next season. 
Um, but actually, before we get into that stuff, because I do want to transition from the Pagano stuff, there's some interesting stuff that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy had to say about Pagano at the press conference. But let's hear a word from our sponsor before we get into our next segment. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. We are talking about the hiring of Chuck Pagano as defensive coordinator. And I want to transition that into Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's postseason press conference that happened on Monday. Uh, they spoke for about 40 minutes, um, kind of recap the season and what their plan is moving forward. And to stand the Pagano topic, they were asked, it was one of the first questions asked um, of them, was Pagano and the hiring process and what all went through it. And when Pace talked, even Nagy too, they were really confident in the hiring of Pagano. Um, they answered everything straightforward. I thought it was a really refreshing press conference. Um, Pace did go through... Pagano's qualities that he loved, you know, aggressive mentality, sharp people skills, a collaborative nature, strong evaluation skills, how he runs the defense. And I thought for Pace to do that, and then Nagy also followed it up by saying that Pagano checked two of his boxes. Number one was his character. How is he around people? Do people love him? Is he, is he, you know, is he a people person? And number two, the X's and O's. And Nagy said, yeah, he checked both those boxes for me right away. Um, I love what he's going to bring to the table. And I just felt it was great. You know, they were very confident um, in that hiring. Obviously, they, they were happy to, you know, have Vic here. And they were happy for Vic to get that Denver job. But it, it just feels like the Bears think themselves they made the right hire with Pagano. Oh, I, I think they're justified in thinking so. I mean, it, and I think, and that's kind of the thing, that's that's the other thing that you kind of want to look at when you're looking at these hires. And, and, and a reason why I think Pagano made so much sense is because he has, in a lot of ways, I think he has the same qualities as somebody like a Ryan Pace and obviously Matt Nagy as well. I think he fits a lot better than, let's say, somebody like a Rex Ryan would have. Uh, or even... Um, even Vance Joseph, Vance Joseph has had some question marks and some people kind of wondered, you know, who he is, you know, even Greg Williams, a lot of people wanted Greg Williams, then, you know, he's a very powerful personality and I'm not really sure how well that would have worked. So I, I, I think, I mean, they, I'm sure they had to have known for quite a while, you know, last few months or whatever that, that Fangio was probably, you know, could get some, some head coaching looks. And I think in terms of being a good head coach and being a good GM, You've always got to be prepared. You've always got to have your list of, you know, guys, potential replacements, stuff like that at hand. And, and you know, I think some people are kind of assuming maybe they flew off the seat of their pants after uh, after they weren't able uh, to land their first target. But I think ultimately they've kind of known. They've done their homework. They know about these guys. And, and Pagano himself is very highly regarded around the league, whether it's players, whether it's coaches, GMs. Anybody within the front office, I mean, Chuck Pagano is a very well-liked guy. So it doesn't surprise me at all that, uh, you know, that 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 they were sure on this hire and that they feel confident about it. I think they should. And kind of going back to that press conference on Monday, Aaron, I know you tweeted it out. Um, I said the same thing. We were actually chatting during the press conference going, they, they were very open about their questions. Like, going into this, I expected the same generic answers that we've heard from Pace and Nagy, you know, over time. And I didn't think they were going to give us much substance to any of the questions asked. But, you know, to my surprise, and I think a lot of Bears fans were also surprised, they they answered questions like they should have. They gave very detailed answers. They didn't really dodge any questions. The only ones they kind of dodged were when they came to Kareem Hunt. But, and in, in, in rightfully so, because that's a tough position to speak on right now. Um, but what did you think overall of that presser? Did you kind of share the same thoughts as I did? 
absolutely, man. I, I it was actually kind of funny because we were both, you know, kind of texting back and forth with each other. I, I don't think either one of us had very high expectations. I mean, normally you go in even, even with you know all the when they when they did theirs last year, and it's just kind of one of those things where you don't really expect to get much, right? And this year I was kind of expecting the same thing. I mean, obviously they had some hot topic uh, issues. Uh, Cody Parkey was one of them. Uh, there were the, you know, the Leonard Floyd's fifth year option, um, just how certain players fit, Jordan Howard's fit, stuff like that. And usually you're kind of like, okay, they're just going to give these generic answers uh, and we're just going to have to find out. But I mean, I guess we can start this off with Cody Parkey's future uh, or lack thereof, because I mean, to be completely honest, I mean, I, I think that Ryan Pace made it pretty obvious. I think he kind of indirectly, you know, said, you know, we've we've got to get something figured out here. Uh, the, the money doesn't matter at this point. And then turned around and said, well, there's going to be some sort of competition or whatever when he was asked about that. And then Matt Nagy turns around when he was asked about Cody Parkey's Today, uh, Today Show interview. I mean, he, he flat out came out and said, you know, this is not something that he mentioned in his exit interview with me. And simply put, uh, you know, we're about we uh, as a team. And that was more of a me move than a we move. And it was I mean, it's just that simple. I don't I don't really think that they could have made it any more obvious outside of saying, no, Cody Park is not coming back and we're cutting him. I, I just I, I it shocked me how upfront they were, especially with the Cody Parkey situation. Yeah, there's no chance he's coming back. And those comments right there, like you said, they pretty much all but said, yeah, Cody Barkey's not coming back. They're going to have competition, number one. They're going to look at the position, how they can improve it, number two. And then the big thing, like you said, Matt Nagy was not happy. Matt, his body language showed he was not happy. He was kind of bouncing up and down. He kind of had a frown on his face when he was talking about the whole Parkey situation. And then going back to the Today Show appearance, he said he had his exit interview with Parkey earlier in the week and the kicker never brought it up. Never brought it up once. It kind of came as a shocker. And, and I guarantee you, Nagy's not the only one in that building or locker room that feels that way. Out of those players, the 52 other players that are on the active roster, I believe almost all of them probably felt that way about Cody's appearance. It was more of a me thing than a we thing. And, and generally, what the hell did the appearance do? It literally did nothing. They gave him some weird award like most honorable person for hopping on the show for what was it five minutes i mean it it served no purpose there was no benefit from it i mean if he were to go on there and maybe speak up or if he knew of you know someone like a college kicker or a high school kicker that was receiving death threats or something like that and would speak out against that yeah sure okay i could see it but this just felt like Nagy said it was just more of a me thing and his comment about the whole it's a we thing because the Bears mantra this whole season: be obsessed, show that you know, show that football is what you care about. Be obsessed about football, and and that today's show with Parky just, yeah, it, it it didn't it didn't seem like it was a we thing. Well, and that's and that's that's my thing. Okay, I understand, you know, and, and I guess we can kind of backtrack a little bit. I understand. Cody Parkey is very strong within his faith. As a, as a fellow Christian, I completely get that. And I, I hold nothing against him in that regard. I know there's been some stuff that's been kind of misconstrued about what he's saying, you know, that, that God wanted him to miss the kicks or whatever. We're, we're not going to get into that. But 
So, uh, so here's the thing. I can level with him. I feel bad for the guy. I do. I, I really do feel bad that he had a bad year and he missed the biggest kick of his life. And because of that, the Bears, you know, are, are obviously out of the playoffs. He received death threats. I'm sure he had a lot of terrible things said to him. I, I do feel bad for him. But here's the thing. is you Like you said, you got 52 other guys in that locker room, plus the coaching staff, plus the practice squad, plus everybody else within that organization that has had your back the entire year. And for you to go out and to single yourself out, to put yourself on a show after missing a kick, I've never seen anything like that before. And I got news for you. Marcus, when Marcus Williams whiffed on that tackle last year and uh, in New Orleans you know, got eliminated from the playoffs because of it, he got death threats too. He had all sorts of terrible things said about him. I'm not saying any of that's right because it's not, and fans should not be doing that stuff. I mean, it's just that simple. But at the same time, you didn't see him doing any sort of redemption tour, and that's kind of the thing. Basically, at least the vibe that I've gotten is the fact that, one, the Bears had no idea this was happening. Obviously, Nagy confirmed that today. And two, once the Bears found out about it, like we all did, uh, they basically cautioned him against doing that, and he still went about it anyway. So that's kind of the thing here is you go and you take the spotlight from a team, right, the, a team that's that's suffering with you through that loss. And, you know, people can make whatever argument they want. They can say, well, it's not on Parkey. He, you know, he didn't lose the game for him. He simply didn't win it. Whatever you want to say, I'm not going to get into that either. But here's the here's the reality of the situation, right? You've got all these fans that are still reeling from the loss. You've got all these players. You've got the organization. All this stuff's going on. And I'm not saying that Cody Parkey, you know, didn't feel bad either. But I guess my entire point is it's too soon. The timing of it, had the optics of it, everything that happened. I mean, the fact is, and this is just my personal opinion, I truly feel if he thought he was doing the right thing or doing the right thing for the team – I think he would have been forthcoming uh, of what he was doing. And the fact that he didn't say anything, it just, I don't know, man, that just, it, it rubs me the wrong way. Because to be, to be completely honest with you, I really do feel the way that he did it. Uh, and just his overall reaction to the entire thing was disingenuous. And I'm not talking the fact that he said, you know, football is not who I am. It's what I do. I get that. You know, that that's fine. Because the thing is, is football players are not robots. They're not put on this earth to do one thing and then they just magically disappear off the face of the earth. They have other lives. I get that. But the the bigger issue here is that the kick affected more than him, okay? You, you know, put the put the fans out of it. Whatever you want to do, you know, all oh, the fans, it's just feelings. That's fine. Whatever you want to say. But even the players, everybody within the organization, there was a lot of people who shouldered the weight of that loss with him that had his back, that did all this other stuff. And for him to go out and basically put himself out there and make this some, at least in my opinion, I thought it was a pity too. I, I just, I, the, the fact is, is one, the fans are not going to accept him back. I just, I don't see any way, shape, or form. You know, even they're going to eat him alive in training camp. They'd eat him alive if he missed a field goal. They're going to eat him alive if they see him anywhere out in the city. And, you know, whether that's right or wrong, whatever it may be. But ultimately, I don't think that the Bears can can sit here and say we're a Super Bowl contender. We expect to be a Super Bowl contender. We expect to win a Super Bowl. We expect to do whatever. We expect to win a big game. I don't know how you can say that and employ Cody Parkey. The last thing I'll say on the matter is is he has a little over $4 million uh, as far as a cap hit this year. If they do cut him without a June 1st designation, that goes up to about $5.2 million. If they do cut him with a June 1st designation, which they can do basically at any point and that money just wouldn't clear until June 1st, 
then the good news with that is uh, they basically could forego that extra dead money, which would be about $1.2 million. And it would just basically be his cap hit that was already going to be there when they cut him. So, I mean, they have a few different options, but there's just no way that they can bring him back. Yeah, I don't see him coming back either. And I'm kind of going to the side of special teams. You know, Pace was asked, um, actually it was Matt Nagy was asked about Chris Tabor and how he thinks special teams did this year. Um, Personally, I think special teams really struggled. I think there was times where Pat O'Donnell looked pretty good and would have a couple, couple punts that were pin teams deep inside the 10 or coffin corner punts. But overall, I didn't think it was a great special teams year. I mean, keep going back to the same mistakes. Penalties on returns or um, returners bringing the ball out of the end zone when they shouldn't and they should just take the 25 yards and have the touchback. Um, I think I, it overall is struggling. When Nagy was asked, he said, I love having him here, Chris Tabor. I think he's done a great, a great job, and he more than anybody wants to improve and get better there, and we're going to have to help him any way we can. Tabor's coming back this year. I don't see the Bears moving, making a chance. If this special teams unit continues to struggle like it has, even even if they find a good kicker, do you think Tabor is maybe on his last year here next year? I think he absolutely should be. I mean, the, the, their special teams unit was just simply not good this year, and it's it's been an issue for a while. And usually what you see is the special teams units get better as the talent level gets better. And at least somebody pointed out to me, I, I haven't fact-checked it, but I'll just say what somebody pointed out to me was that the the teams remaining in the playoffs this last week in the divisional round all had top 15 special teams units. I don't know if that's true or not, or maybe most of them did. I don't know. But the one thing I will say is, is that I didn't like the Chris Tabor hire to begin with. Uh, talking to different Browns people, and that's the thing is, you know, the Browns may have been flat. They've they've been terrible for a while outside of this year where they were pretty decent. But the thing is, they have some very, very, very intelligent fans. Uh, and they have some, you know, they, they have some good writers as well. And talking with them, I mean, there was every single one of them I talked to basically had nothing but bad things to say about Tabor. Uh, you know, after the Bears hired him, a lot of people were actually laughing at the fact that the Bears hired him. And one of the biggest things that they talk about was not only inconsistencies, but it was the consistent amount of penalties. That was the only consistent thing that he his units ever brought. And quite frankly, I mean, I, I've got to admit that's really the truth. It seemed like any time that they actually had a return, it seemed like they were always getting called back for some sort of penalty. And it's just, I mean, you look at it, and uh, Cody Parkey's not his fault. Uh, I think, you know, Pat O'Donnell's not his fault either for the simple fact that there really wasn't many options. If it was me personally, I'm not bringing back O'Donnell, and I'm, I'm obviously not bringing back Parkey. And I think that they need to put a little bit more of an emphasis on the back end of the roster, making sure that they're getting the right guys in. I also think that they need to make Tariq Cohen their primary kick and punt returner. Uh, I, I just I don't understand marching guys like Josh Bellamy and Benny Cunningham and Taquan Mizell and all these other Anthony guys Miller. back there. Yeah, Anthony Miller. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But if it was me, I, he would be on a very tight leash this year. Quite honestly, though, I think with the way the coaching staff went through this year and everything that's gone on, I think that they're probably viewing continuity as a good thing. So it wouldn't surprise me if he sticks around for a while, but if it was me, he'd be on the hot seat. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And you do look at the teams that are left in the playoffs. When the playoffs get going, special teams matter. It could be that difference from you going home or staying in the playoffs, just like it was with the Bears. That one play, Parky missed. Granted, there were other plays. I'm not saying that there weren't, but there are other plays. It, the one that Parky missed a field goal, it cost him a chance to go to L.A. Um, moving forward, now I don't want to spend any more time on special teams. That was <laughs> at least a good 10, 15 minutes there. But, um, you know, 
The Bears cap space this year. Obviously, we all know the situation by signing, trading for Cleo Mack and giving him the big contract. Um, the Bears cap space this year, it, it's not as large as it, as it has been for Ryan Pace where he's been able to go out and have that spending spree um, in free agency. Bears are projected about $20 million that might go up a little bit going into free agency. Um, it's going to be a challenge for Ryan Pace, and he admitted that. He's, this is not usually a position that he's in. Um, looking at this roster, they have a couple key guys that they're probably going to have to try and re-sign. You have Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, two key starters on defense that are set to become free agents, and then you have a tackle in Bobby Massey, who's set to be a free agent. When I look right away, I want to get these two defense. I want to get Callahan and Amos signed. I think that should be the priority for the Bears on defense, retain as many starters as you can possible. But when I look at the offensive side of the football, I look at Bobby Massey, and I take a quick glance at projected tackles to fill his his, his spot um, as free agencies, Massey might be the best option. He's certainly a top three option. So maybe reworking him, getting him, signing him, and bringing him back into Chicago might be a smart thing. What, what's your thoughts on that, Aaron? Well, I've battled that too. I mean, you, you look at, I mean, the, the free agent tackle market as a whole is never going to be good. The draft class looks a little bit better, but the problem is, is the Bears don't pick until the late third round. They have a third round, a fourth round, a fifth round, no sixth round, and two seventh round picks. I mean, they're dealing with basically, you know, a, a decent pick in the third round and then basically some mid-rounders and some late-rounders. So, ultimately, the Bears are strapped in terms of cap to a certain extent, and that's kind of the, the thing here. So, you you have they're gonna have about twenty million. I don't know if that counts uh, the two and a half million cap credit that they will get this year from Mike Glennon's offset language last year when he signed with Arizona. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but I mean they have ways that they can create space. I mean obviously cutting Deion Sims, reworking some deals like Kyle Long, which they're absolutely gonna have to do. You cannot keep him at eight and a half million or nine and a half million, whatever it is. They've got to rework something there. Um, and the other thing, too, is they can always convert uh, guys like Allen Robinson or even Khalil Mack's base salary into a signing bonus. And and for a guy like Khalil Mack, it may make some sense because I think he's got a $9 million base salary, I think is what it is. So they can convert that into a signing bonus that spreads out throughout the life of his contract. And ultimately, maybe it's 11. Either way, it ends up being like $2.3 million a year is all it would add on for the next few years. And that may be a worthy move to be able to gain, you know, nine to $11 million in cap space this year. And the thing to keep in mind with Ryan Pace, especially with him free agency, he worked under Mickey Loomis for a while. And Mickey Loomis was an absolute expert at making the cap look like a myth. I mean, there was multiple times that the Saints would somehow start the offseason off or projected the offseason off with negative cap space. And somehow you're seeing him go out and you're still seeing them sign uh, decent free agents. And at least the vibe that I got, I'm kind of curious with you. I mean, I Ryan Pace made it sound like they're not done in free agency. Like they're going to make some moves. They realize that they're limited in what they can do within the draft and maybe some with, you know, free agent money or whatever it may be. But I don't get the feeling that they're going to be nearly as conservative as maybe what I thought here a few months ago. Yeah, that kind of goes back to the point of how they answer the press conference questions because if you were to tell me before a press conference, you know, how do you feel the Bears are going to be in free agency? And I would have flat out told you, I said, they're going to be pretty conservative. I think it's going to be kind of a boring free agent period for them. They did most of their damage last year in the free agency period. I don't think there's going to be anything as close to that. Um, I don't think there's going to be anything as close to that now. However, I do think they're ready. They, They... 
they're going to be players in the market. They're not going to be players for big-name players. Like, you're not going to see them go after Le'Veon Bell or anything or even try to pursue a trade for someone like Antonio Brown. That would completely shock me. Um, they're going to have to find ways to get creative with the cap space, um, create some more cap space. I think what they'll do first is they'll go to their in-house guys, they'll go to Massey, they'll go to Callahan, they'll go to Amos. Those are the big three. They'll go to them, try getting them re-signed, um, maybe have a little bit of a hometown discount with each one of them, and, and, and work those deals. Then after that, I think they're going to be players in the market. I think you're going to see them go after a couple key guys at key positions, Um Obviously, we'll you know with our free agency preview that will be coming out in weeks. We'll have to detail all of that. But I don't think they're going to be as laid back or you know I hate using the word boring, but not as um, you know people think. Oh, maybe they're not going to be as active. I think they're going to be a little more active than people are that people think they're going to be. It's just where they're going to find that cap space. And you mentioned cutting Deion Sims. You can rework someone like Kyle Long's deal um, if you have to. I mean, you can you could even I don't think they'll do this. Maybe cut someone like Chase Daniel. That'll save you some money. Um, there's there's options for them. There's plenty of options. And I think Ryan Pace is the right guy. If Bears fans want to believe in a guy to go out there and find more cast space. And, and like you mentioned, he's got this experience now. I think he's the perfect guy to, to make it exciting for Bears fans. Well, and I think the big thing looking into this offseason is... And it's, sometimes it's not so much about being aggressive for one year and one year only. It's about being aggressive because you're trying to maintain that level of talent. And the Bears have a lot of their core locked up over the next few years. But they also have some flexibility over the next few years. I mean, after this year, uh, guarantees run out on guys like Taylor Gabriel, Prince of Mucamora, to a certain extent, Allen Robinson, uh, the, what Trey Burton. I mean, they have some flexibility moving forward. Obviously, when you cut somebody like that, you've got to replace them. And sometimes that could be more expensive. But I guess my whole entire point here is you're looking at a Bears team who a lot of people thought that 2019 was going to be the start of their competitive window, their Super Bowl window, whatever it may be. Realistically, that that window obviously started early because they went 12 and four and they I honestly believe that they should still be playing. But that's beside the point at this at this time. But the thing is, is the Bears have a window where they're okay. Yeah, they're paying Khalil Mack a lot of money. They have some, you know, some decent size free agent signings that they've made. You know, they're paying Kyle Fuller a pretty good amount of money, whatever it is. But the thing is, with cap space, is you can always find a way to create some. You can always move different things. I mean, we saw Phil Emery do that. I mean, Phil Emery's first big free agency period. Um, was him starting off with very minimal money and creating money by cuts and doing different things. I mean, there's always different things that you can do to rework contracts and do whatever. I mean, they can they could easily scrounge together $15, 20000000 million in the blink of an eye, and ultimately I don't think it would really impact the roster all that much to do so, and it wouldn't really impact them in the future. So I just think the biggest thing moving forward is the Bears have to be smart on how they do things because not only do you want to add better talent, although I don't really think there's many spots where the Bears need to improve in terms of starting uh, talent, but I do think in terms of depth, I I mean, the Bears are really lucky, and that's another thing that they talked about uh, in the press conference. The Bears had great luck this year on the injury front, and that's something that I don't know if you can expect moving into next year. Maybe they crack the code. Maybe they're just going to be one of the healthier teams in the league from now on because they figured it out, but... At the same time, let's just say they have a few more injuries than they did last year. Um, you know that that could obviously be be a little bit of an issue. So I think better depth uh, and obviously with the lack of draft picks, I mean they're going to have to get creative. And the one thing that you'll see with these good teams is 
you'll see the fact that they have depth. They have enough depth to be able to overcome injuries. The Bears did a good job of that this year. Don't get me wrong, but I think the better the better depth that you can add, the more youth that you can add, uh, the more upside that you can add. Then when guys like Bryce Callahan go down and Sherrick McManus steps in, or you know all the different injuries that they've had happen, you know Kyle Long goes out and all of a sudden Brian Witzman steps in and plays pretty well. You have those kind of situations where you're not having one or two guys go out and then all of a sudden your entire season derails. So it's going to be very interesting to how they deal with the offseason. Obviously, we'll get into that a little bit more. We've got two months until free agency starts at this point. But I, I think the Bears are in a good enough position where they can still go out. They can get better. They may surprise us with a few moves. But really, this is the start of a competitive window that may only last a few years uh, especially with a you know quarterback on a rookie deal, I mean they've they've got to they've got to take advantage of that while they have it. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because I do think that window with that Trubisky rookie deal is right there for them. So I'm interested to see what Ryan Pace can do to, to free up that money to make those moves. I don't expect anything big on draft day. I don't think he's going to trade back into the first round. Um, maybe there's a scenario we can maybe somehow get a second round pick. Um, I think it's going to be free agency where they're going to make a little. A little more noise than what we expect them to. Um, going back to the presser, though, one of the big um, announcements, we'll say, we'll call it, that Pace was asked about was um, Leonard Floyd contract. Uh, the Bears will have a decision to make. Pick up his fifth-year option on his rookie deal, and Pace was asked what the plan is, and he flat-out said the plan is to pick up Leonard's fifth-year option. Um, this has been a big talking point on the forum I think it was the right move. I think Floyd, if you were to ask me this maybe in late September, early October, I think it definitely would have been a question mark because um, Floyd didn't look great. And whether it was a hand injury or not, he just wasn't getting pressure on the quarterback. He was struggling to get any sort of pressure um, on opposing quarterbacks, and it it showed. So at the end of the year, though, he started coming through. He was arguably, if you ask me, he was arguably one of the Bears' defense's best players Um towards the end of the year, I thought he played fantastic. And I think it's smart for them to pick up that fifth year option just because pass rush is such a key for defenses in the NFL these days. I mean, you have to have a legit pass rusher. The bears have a star one in Cleo Mack. And now you have a guy who can go out there and be a legit pass rusher in Leonard Floyd opposite of him. Well, I think the thing to look at too here with Leonard Floyd is, is really he's he's a different kind of player than Quill Mack. And obviously he didn't play very well over the first, I'd say probably five or six games of the season. But it took a while for people to actually understand once he started heating up that he was actually getting a lot better uh, in, a, in a good amount of time. Now I think people look at his sack numbers and they may say, okay, well, you know, he's still not producing enough sacks. And to a certain extent I kind of agree. But he's also – he's amazingly better than the run that I would have ever assumed that he would be coming out of Georgia. I mean, he's he's still a skinnier guy. Um, so I think here's the big thing with the fifth-year option for me. I think they were right in picking it up. Uh, if you'd asked me this a few months ago, I would have said absolutely not. I was asked that a few months ago, and that's exactly what I said. I didn't think that they, that they should do so. Uh, part of that was because he wasn't playing well. Part of that was the fact that he hadn't played a full 16-game season. Well, here we are, and he finally played a full 16-game season. The thing with the fifth-year option is very simple. Okay, if he goes out next year and he absolutely sucks and he stays healthy as long as he doesn't get you know majorly hurt, they can pull that fifth-year option. They can let him hit the free agent market. See ya. End of story. Let's say he does play really well next year, and instead of having to franchise tag him or whatever it may be, um, they still have that control of the fifth-year option. That's probably gonna be right around thirteen million dollars. The other thing to keep in mind: if he keeps playing right about what he's playing, let's say he averages, you know. 
five, six, seven sacks next year and, you know, still is playing at the same level overall, you know, uh, well-rounded and everything else that he's playing like right now, the Bears can do exactly what they did with Kyle Long and say, okay, we have you on the fifth-year option. We also want to extend you. The thing to keep in mind with Leonard Floyd, he's a little bit older in terms of you talking about a guy that's going in this fourth year that's still on his rookie deal. He's a little bit older. He's already 27 years old. Uh, I think he's going to be 28 this next season. I mean, he was an older prospect coming out. So the thing about it is, is he's only going to have really that one chance to be able to cash in. So it's kind of one of those situations. The Bears hold the control for the next two years in this situation. If he sucks, you know, if you get through half a season next season or you're just not feeling it, then, you know, you let him go at the end of the year and you call it good. If he's playing, you know, the same potential as what he has been playing, maybe you can lock him up for eight or nine, maybe $10 million a year instead of that $13 million fifth-year option. Either way, I think they did the right thing, and it gives them a level of control, and it kind of gives them some options moving forward. Yeah, and they could always, you know, like you said, excite him to an extension during that period. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, I'm glad because I I think Leonard Floyd has kind of had that – not a weird career, but a very interesting career in Chicago. Like you said, never played a full 16-game season until now, and he played the first couple of games hurt, essentially, with that hand injury, and he had the club there. So we'll see. I think he's a, I think he's a piece that you can win with on this defense while they have this window open. Um, and before I get your final thoughts, so let's go take a break, our final break of the show, and then we'll be right back. And we are back here on the Bear Report podcast. I am your host, Zach Pearson, joined by my co-host, as always, Aaron Lemming. Um, Aaron, before we wrap it up here, we're just discussing this Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy press conference. Um, so they were asked four or five questions um, on running back Cream Hunt. And there's obviously that connection with Hunt and Nagy's. Nagy coached Hunt his rookie year in Kansas City. Um, me and you have both seen the video from TMZ. He was released by the Chiefs on December 1st after that video um, of him in a Cleveland hotel with with a woman and other people there. Um, what were your thoughts on those questions and how the Bears answered them? Because I thought, I, for me personally, I thought people were kind of taking them the wrong way when Matt Nagy did say, yeah, I called Kareem, I've talked to him last week, um, more of a, as a person than football. I think people, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think people maybe saw it as, okay, there's the instant connection. They were definitely talking football. They were definitely checking in on Hunt and maybe going to make a run at him. I, I didn't see it that way. Am I wrong for that? or? Well, I don't really – see, I didn't really – I shouldn't say I didn't listen, but I wasn't really putting much weight on what Matt Nagy said. I, I do think that he you know, legitimately called him to see how he was doing, and I'm sure it was a long conversation. And I'm sure – that they talked about a bunch of different things, poly football included. I don't know, you know, obviously it's kind of tampering in a situation where I don't think maybe they're talking bears per se. But I do think to a certain extent, when you look at this situation, uh, Ryan Pace didn't shoot it down. And that was kind of the thing with me where I'm like, whoa, dude, like I fully expected Ryan Pace to shoot it down. And the, and the thing to keep in mind here is Matt Nagy has a relationship with him. Matt Nagy has a pass with him. The other person that has a pass with him that's known him for a, a long time is Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky played against him in high school. Uh, I think they'd even range back to middle school because they're both from Ohio. And, I mean, they they were seen at the the NFLPA thing, uh, the, the, the little rookie seminar thing that they did. I mean, they were together a lot. They know each other well. So I think the thing is here is you're going to see, you know, for one, I think, you know, and I'm not saying this with all athletes, but there's some athletes that have done some stuff that we're probably never going to know about. So, 
I think that we kind of have to keep a perspective here in terms of, you know, everybody's kind of different. So maybe on the outside, depending on, you know, who you are, whatever, maybe on the outside, you watch that video like me, for example, I watch a video uh, outside of a woman, a woman basically attacking you and threatening your life. I don't really ever see a situation where I condone hitting a woman. Uh, obviously, with that video, it. It's not good. I mean, there's really no other way around it. There's been some talk that, you know, she was calling them racial slurs, some different stuff that goes on, which is obviously not acceptable. Again, you're a big dude with a lot of strength. You're an NFL player. You can't hit a woman. You can't push her down. You can't kick her. You can't do anything like that. People make mistakes. I completely get that. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve a second chance. If he plays football again, he plays football again. My issue is... You look at the Bears' track record. They they signed Brandon Marshall after all the stuff that went on there. I mean, that was well documented. Uh, in terms of you know being you know a woman hitter, you know stabber, or whatever the hell it was, I can't even really what happened with Brandon Marshall. There's quite a few different things. He never he never reverted to that, and good for him on that. Uh, I do think he absolutely was a head case, and I think in some ways, I mean, he got he get very old very quickly. Uh, obviously, that was why he was traded. But the other more recent move that happened with Ryan Pace and, you know, as a GM was the Ray McDonald thing. And I can tell you from breaking that signing, I'm the one who originally broke that signing at the time. I was told about that two or three weeks beforehand uh, by my guy that used, you know, that used to give me uh, critical information like that. And sometimes I still get pieces, you know, bits and pieces and stuff like that. But the one thing I will say here is. That that took weeks of convincing. That took multiple meetings with not only Vic Fangio and Ryan Pace, but with Ryan Pace and Virginia McCaskey, and uh, obviously George was involved with that stuff as well. That took multiple meetings for her to finally sign off on that. And that's kind of the big thing here. Virginia McCaskey is going to be the one that has to sign off on this. So even if Ryan Pace has this in his mind, even if Matt Nagy has this in his mind, none of that matters unless Virginia McCaskey signs off on it. And quite frankly, after the embarrassment that they dealt with with Ray McDonald, I just don't see it. I, I mean, from a football perspective, the dude is a great player. He's a, he's a perennial all-pro player. Uh, he would make the offense much better, obviously. He would fit the offense. Uh, I, I do think that they need to find a different option than Jordan Howard. But from a morality standpoint and looking at things, I just there's no way that I could support Kareem Hunt being on the Bears. That's just my take. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to happen either. He's a perfect fit for what Matt Nagy wants to do with this offense, obviously, with, you know, when he had him in Kansas City. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head a couple times there. And the whole Ray McDonald thing, that was kind of the Bears' one strike there. That was Vic Fangio really vouched for him, um, as you mentioned. I just, it's, I think that's that's the one that did it, that 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 was the one pass that maybe Ryan Pace was going to get in his general manager um, career for a move like that. So I don't see anything along those lines happening with, with a player like Kareem Hunt anymore. Um, and then on top of it, Kareem Hunt's probably going to face a suspension when he comes back. So you in, in the way the NFL is going, it might be six to eight games. So you're not going to have him for half a season. Um, I think that's something else you have to factor into it. I think Kareem Hunt will play football again. Um, I don't think it'll be for the Chicago Bears. I think there will be a team that takes a chance on him, um, at least brings him into training camp and maybe waits it out a little bit. I just don't see it being with the Chicago Bears, um, even with the connections. Like you mentioned, the connection with Trubisky, it goes all the way back to their their youth football when they were in grade school playing against each other. 
Um, they even battled it out, I believe, those for the Mr. Ohio, Mr. Football of Ohio, one year when they were both seniors and uh, or se- one was a senior, one was a junior, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I just I don't see it happening. I I did think there was kind of some talk on Twitter. Why are they being asked? I did think it was. It should have been asked. I think the question should have been asked about Kareem Hunt. Um, I just, yeah, I'm going to say no for right now. And I'm sure me and you, are, this is going to heat up. I think this is going to be a storyline that we're going to have to follow all throughout the offseason. So I'm sure me and you will have to talk about it again uh, moving forward. Yeah, and I, I know we will. I mean, that's just the ultimate reality of the situation. This is going to be a hot-button topic. There's a lot of easy ties to the Bears. The Bears did absolutely no favors of themselves by shooting it down if they really aren't interested, whatever it may be. I I don't have doubt that they are going to have interest. I'm sure there's a lot of teams out there that have at least some general interest. But again, I I, I think this is going to come down to a bigger decision than just Ryan Pace. There's going to be a lot of stuff involved. And like you pointed out, that was a good point is the fact that he's going to be facing a suspension. He was put on the commissioner exempt list, but he was never actually suspended. And I cannot see him saying, okay, well, I missed the last five games of the year or whatever it was. Can we count that as, you know, as my suspension? I think he's basically going to take whatever it is that he gets and he's going to have to deal with it. And that's the other thing is he's got two years left of control uh, in terms of, so basically because he was cut and because he wasn't claimed, he'll be an exclusive rights free agent this year if he was signed. And then next year, he'd be a restricted free agent, which you'd have to put at least a second-round tender, if not a first-round tender, because you're going to have teams coming after him. So ultimately, you're talking about basically a two-year investment at probably, i just say, you know, in the ballpark of, let's say, $3.5, $4 million overall, which isn't a big deal. But the problem is, is you're talking about, you know, two-year investment where you're probably only going to have him for about a year and a half, all the bad PR that comes with it. And, it, I mean, there's been some talk, man. I've seen some talk that says that this is just a tip of the iceberg. And I think that's the other thing to bring up. He, in terms of hitting other women, he there's been no other reports of that. But there's been two or three – two or three or maybe one or two. Either way, there's been other reports of him being violent. He knocks some dude out of the bar, and I'm pretty sure there was another situation. He had two or three violent offenses or violent things that happened this past offseason. So there's obviously some stuff that he needs to figure out himself. I hope he gets the help. I believe in second chances, but simply put, I don't want the Bears to be the team that gives him that second chance, even for as good of a football player as he is. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, let's wrap it up with that, Aaron. Uh, thanks again for joining me. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter again? You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. Um, you can also read his work at the Bear Report. Um, you should have salary cap stuff next week. I know he's working. He says you're going to work on that. You said right. Yep, got that, and we got all of our rookie primer stuff coming out. So yeah, we got man, we got a lot of a lot of good stuff coming your way. I mean, as we shake off the pain, uh, we're diving right yeah. into the off season. That's how it goes, man. It never sleeps. We never get any uh, any break time at all. So um, you can find me on Twitter at zach z a c k underscore pearson. You can find my work on the Bear Report. And uh, until next week, guys, enjoy. All right, cool. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.